Amos chapter 6. How many minor prophet books are there? How many minor prophets are there? How, how many minor prophets? I'm going to take it back. Nine. There's at least nine. How many total? Twelve is correct. They're all fit in one scroll. There were, there were a total of, there's only one that's a narrative. Minor prophet. What's the only narrative minor prophet? Jonah. Is correct. Jonah is the only narrative minor prophet. Other ones, they're supposed to be, be prophetic in nature. Is that her? Obviously. Okay. Probably should turn this all on. We'll be good. I'm not sure my plan's working that well. I'll try to make it easier for everybody. All right. There we go. We're good now. Okay. Amos chapter 6. Jonah, Micah, Amos, Obadiah. We'll do Obadiah comes up after... How about Amos first? Amos chapter 6. This is... He was a herdman. Correct. What else? What other factoid do you know about Amos? Pick, pick, good. That's another factoid. What is another factoid? Amos. Big pincher. Yes. I like that. I'm not sure he would like that caricature, but I like it myself. Fig pincher. All right. The, we, the whole purpose he lived in Judah, he, he prophesied against Israel, and not much of it is a good thing. Israel will not listen. They're going to, what is the kingdom that's going to take over Israel? The Assyrians, correct. Woe, 6-1, to them that are ease in Zion. What is Zion? Where is Zion? Jerusalem, correct. That's question number one. Is woe a good thing? No, only except when their horse is running away. Whoa, that's about the only one you can say it's a good thing. Uh, What was the phrase earlier on in the book that sort of, you know, you've gone over the edge, you're going to get judged? It happened several times. Yes, and for four, for three and for four. You've gone over the edge, you are going to get judged. Very good. What was the, that was two, four. It says for us in two, four. Uh, for three transgressions of Judah and for four. So they have gone over, they are deserving of the punishment. And what is Samaria? This mountain of Samaria in verse 161. Uh, and trust in the mountain of Samaria. What was that? What is this Samaria? The capital of the northern kingdom. It was, it was inside a, a hollow, like a hollow in, among mountains, and it was on a raised plateau. And so that was the capital of the northern kingdom, also was in land. And so uh, that was uh, Samaria, a.k.a. Israel, a.k.a. Ephraim. So northern kingdom can sometimes be called Israel, sometimes called Ephraim, made up of how many tribes, northern kingdom? Ten is correct. How many good kings were there in the northern kingdom? None. none. There were none. There is none is correct. How'd you get all, we a lot of questions? Just verse one. And so we woe unto them that are ease in Zion, who trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom how the house of Israel came. Pass you unto Kalna and see, and from thence go you to Hamath the Great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. They better than these kingdoms? Or their border greater than your border? So I put in your outline there, Kalna was the cornerstone of Nimrod's empire, or power, I'm sorry, in Genesis 10.10. Hamath was the city of the Syrians, and Gath was the chief city of whom? What person do we know? We know. How many others do we know? His four brothers. 
So we know five people from Gath, okay? We know somebody from the Valley of Sorek, too. Delilah from the Valley of Sorek. Okay, there we go. And we, what other Philistine city lost its gates due to Samson? It's, very, it's in the news every single day. Ask, no, that's the, ask the Philistines. He took the, it's a shorter name, Gaza. He took the gates, and off he went. Gates and all. Remember, they surrounded him, thought they were going to kill him. He just took the gates and left with it. So we find then that these three cities are very powerful. And so are you, Israel, mightier than they? I don't think so. They had succumbed to foes. Israel, do you think you're not going to succumb? Does Israel imagine that she is better than that? No. Ye that put far away the evil day and caused the seat of violence to come near. And so they have been not following God, and God's going to bring judgment upon them. Could they have repented? Yes, absolutely. Could uh, Goliath have repented? Could Judas Iscariot have repented? <laughs> that's a, that's why I saved that one for last because that's a tough question. Uh, yes and no. Yes, he could have, but in the scheme of God's plan, he wasn't going to. But yes, forgiveness is offered to all. So, yeah, I, I shouldn't have. That, that's a very. T- that's a tough question. That one. Good answers all around. Uh, verse four. Now we see in verse four is a picture. Listen to these three verses together. Four, five, and six. That lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall, that chant to the sound of the veal and invent to themselves instruments of music like David. What do you notice about the spelling of that in 5? M-U-S-I-C-K. Healing. Music brings healing to the soul. I mean, that's what they called in. Not only was it Saul, but the uh, uh, Frederick uh, Ferdinand would call in Chopin when he was dis, uh, disenchanted, whatever, and, and he, Chopin would come in and play for the king and would calm him down. Now, we know that in Saul's case, God sent that evil spirit to, get, you know, to bring all those different things, but they called in David. Music, it's healing, uh, a medicine for the soul, if you will. I like the way they spell that. We've dropped the K since then. That drink, so they're drinking wine out of bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. So, what's it's like sarcasm. If you could pick sarcasms dripping off his quill as he's writing these things, you do all these things, you, you do, you, you, uh, the one cat, Mozart's getting so lazy that in the morning he'll be laying on the rug like this, like the old Romans, and I'll take, I've, I, I don't know how I just, I'm just so. I take the bowl, and I put it right by his, so he doesn't have to move. All he has to do is just pick his head up and put it in the bowl and eat. How spoiled they are and how helpless I am to, you know, I should be standing up. You get off the floor, and if you want to eat, my dad would say, you want to eat, there it is. Or you can die for all I can. Actually, my dad would say that. There it is over there. If you want to eat, you go over there and eat it. But anyway, so they were used to having all this stuff handed to them, if you would. They thought they were living in a world, and they would always have the same lifestyle because of those who were in authority, whatever, and they were so uh, wrong. So wrong. Therefore, now shall they go captive with the first that go captive, and the banquet of them that stretched themselves shall we be removed. The Lord has sworn by himself. Now, I'm asking, the Lord swears by himself. I tell you what, it's going to, you can take that to the bank, all the banks in the world, it's going to happen. And the Lord 
the God of hosts, I abhor the excellency or the pride of Jacob. When you have a group that call themselves pride this or pride, you're just, setting, that's the, you're just starting at the wrong point. If you put pride anywhere in your whatever you want to call it, because that's God hates that. He's abhorred the ex- pride of Jacob and hate his palaces. Therefore, I deliver up the city with all that is therein. And it shall come to pass, if there remain ten men in one house, they shall die, and a man's uncle shall bring him up, and he that burneth him to bring out the bones out of the house, and shall say unto him that is by the sides of the house, Is there yet any with thee? And he shall say, No. Then shall he say, Hold thy tongue, for we may not make mention of the name of the Lord. So a little uh, so. The question number three, will Israelites be able to hide from the Assyrians? No, they're going to, the Assyrians are going to find them even in their high-walled cities, etc. Even though there's a strong city, just go back to verse 2, even though they were strong cities, they have already passed in the past. Question, in your outline, the bottom of 1, 610, Amos describes a scene where a relative would enter a house to bring out the corpses in order to burn them. Page 2, finding a survivor, the relative would ask if there were any others. His answer would be no. The relative would then beg the survivor not to mention the Lord's name, fearing that the Lord would turn his attention upon the town of them and destroy them also. So the Lord has sworn by himself. He abhorred, verse 8, their, their pride, etc., and delivers them up to be taken care of. If, if God's going to do that for them, what's he going to do for others who fall from his uh, following he's going to do the same thing for behold the lord verse 11 commandeth and he will smite the great house with breaches and the little house with clefts shall horses run upon the rock will one plow there with oxen for ye have turned judgment into gall and the fruit of righteousness into a hemlock or into hemlock so it would be unthinkable in your outline for horses to run on rocks or oxen to plow rocks, but Israel had performed the unthinkable by twisting justice and righteousness into poison and bitterness. It's sort of like uh, the upside-down mind. It's where we are in our world today of many things. We've got completely off-kelter. We have taught the past the succeeding couple generations how these things are, and we wonder where we are. We've taught the young people in many regards, not in our churches necessarily, but as a whole. I'm just reading, uh, I was just reading this little thing called 1440. You get it every morning. It's like a basic truth of the news with all out the frills. And it was talking about something they found that was oh, about 300 million years ago during the Paleozoic, some kind of period. Evolution is so ingrained that even though they're just simply to give you, it's like just taken for granted. 300 million, give or take a few years. Were we there? We weren't there. <laughs> so we, we have to stand for what is right. Our thinking has been turned upside down. Verse, last two verses. Ye which rejoice in a thing of naught, which say, Have we not taken to us horns by our own strength? But behold, I will raise up against you a nation, O house of Israel, saith the Lord, the God of hosts, and they shall afflict you from the entering end of Hemath unto the river of the wilderness. And they should have stopped right there and gotten on their knees and repented. Lord, please save us from this. And America should be on our knees. Probably does not just figuratively, literally, and a lot wouldn't hurt us any if we can get down without hurting ourselves. And that's where we should be. Lord, please, we won't return to you. 
work in our land. He'll work. Doesn't the Bible say that? Yes, if my people, which are called by my name, that's where it starts. We were expecting the, don't expect the world, the America in general to repent. Don't expect them to be praying to God. A lot of America hates, hates God, pretty much. Live without God the rest, why would I need him now? So then we have the God of judgment starting verse 7, chapter 7, sorry. Now, I, think, I thought, but just think about, I may not have put it in your outline, but if you were on trial and you had a chance to select your judge, what qualities would you want in your judge? Honesty. Mercy. Mercy. Integrity. Those are pretty, pretty, pretty good ones. God's going to judge them, and he's going to, God presents himself as the nation's judge. Are, are you okay with God being your judge? If you say no, I'm sorry, he's going to be your judge anyway. So, yeah, so we might as well, you might as well be okay. If there's any being in the universe who you want to be judged by, who will give you just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints, Revelation 15, 3, it is God. That's the verse I use when I have a funeral for people. I'm just not sure they were saved. I can tell you this, according to Revelation 15.3, his ways are just and true. And if that person had received Christ as Savior, God knows about it. And they'll be with him. And so that, that but it's for us as well, it's going to be a daunting. Can you imagine standing before God? It's going to be, whoa. So I'm branching off into a new new uh, department. I'll probably be meeting uh, the governor and different ones at my time, that, et cetera. And so, uh, but that's nothing compared to standing before God Almighty. It's going to be like, whoa. It's going be, and so, but he loves us. He loves us more than anyone else. He's more than your Valentine loves you. He has the Valentine quintessential, is he not? That he died for us, and so we're so thankful for that. Four visions. Uh, first vision, number one, is of, guess what? The locusts. Locusts. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, he formed grasshoppers. So question one, what insect is mentioned here? Also locusts or grasshoppers, one and the same. In the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth, and lo, it was, now he's having a vision now, and lo, it was the latter growth after the king's mowings. And it came to pass that when he had made an end of eating the grass of the land, in other words, total destruction, I said, Lord, O Lord God, forgive, I beseech thee. By whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. In other words, he's going to be wiped out. And the Lord repented for this. It shall not be, saith the Lord. So question two, catastrophic, can they be? Yes, interesting, if you read nothing else, read this bottom of two going into three. The terrible potential, and, and he intercedes. So Amos interceded for the descendants of Jacob. God, by the way, what would that encompass? The descendants of Jacob, that would be pretty much, wouldn't that be all everybody? Because they all come from Jacob, all 12 tribes. Uh, God did not forgive the people of their wrongs, but he did relent concerning his judgment. Think this through now. The Lord is holy, top of three, without sin. He does not repent in the same way that we do. If I have sin against Mr. Dickens, I'm going to say, Mr. Bill, I am so sorry I did this, and please forgive me, because I'm repenting. God, doesn't, God never has to do that because why? He's never sinned. So, he, so the word repent for him is not the same context as it is for us. So I thought this is one of the best explanations I've heard. So the Lord is holy without sin, complete without sin, and he does not repent in the same way we do. When Amos wrote that the Lord repented, he meant 
that viewed from our human perspective, God turned away from an earlier intent. Continuing on, the example of Amos presents for our consideration a marvelous truth. While we cannot expect God to forgive other people's sins for our sake, he may choose to change their earthly punishment for our sake. So I think that is, that's a good way to understand that Lord, and Nineveh, Noah, pray, Noah, Noah might not, maybe Jonah, how about Jonah's in Nineveh? And they repented. He didn't want them to do that, but they did. And so, so we cannot forgive sins, but we can ask, don't you ask to God to protect your family? I'm thinking I'll ask God to protect my family and keep them from harm and, pardon? Yes. So we can ask that. So we, we, and it, we can't understand all that. God wants us to pray. He's yet in control. But the praying is for us, that we would get closer to God. I mean, that's, that's part of it. That we, He wants us to be moved. He wants the missionary that goes to the mission field to be changed in his own being so that he can work in his life. It's not just the people he goes to minister to. It's, it's the person who's doing the ministering. And so... I, I, just, I just thought it was a really good explanation. I thought, may not be exactly how you want it to read, but I thought it was quite helpful to me. Why he cannot expect God to forgive other people's sins for our sake? Because remember, he's the only one that can forgive sin. We, praying to Mary is not going to do a bit of good. She has no power. And, and, and Peter cannot take care of your sins either. It is Christ only. Now he, and then he may choose to change their earthly punishment. Lord, please have mercy upon whoever. Have mercy upon me. Perhaps you've prayed that, and he's getting ready to throttle you real good, and he just sort of backed off that just a little bit, and he didn't get the whole throttle. It's possible. Section 3. What does God relenting tell us about him as a judge? He repented. He relented. Merciful. I am so glad he's merciful and full of grace. Was your, were your parents ever merciful to you? Did you have to, sometimes, was there ever an instance when you deserved more punishment than you got? <laughs> Bill, oh, I, got, I got more than I deserve. I'll have to say that. <laughs> so anyway, that, so anyway, I didn't mean to bring back bad memories. I was just, I was just thinking, it was, uh, how, many how many times has God been merciful to us? If you were an angel, you'd already been gone a long time ago. You would have lost your holiness one time. One sin, one time, and you're out. Aren't you? He's merciful to us. He doesn't throw the, throw the clay away. And aren't you glad he gives us a second, third, fourth, thousandth chance? Vision of fire. Good, all good thoughts tonight. That's what I so like the, uh, your uh, participation. Thus saith, now this is another vision, verse 4. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire, and it devoured the great deep and did eat up a part, hugely destructive. Then I said, O Lord God, cease, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise, for he is small. We just heard it back in verse 2. And the Lord repented for this. This also shall not be, saith the Lord. Can you just pause for just a moment and get the... Amos is talking with God. Now, we talk with God, but I've never heard the audible voice. 
Can you imagine when we hear the audible voice? And he walks with me and talks with me. Now, he speaks to us through his spirit, and it's almost like it's audible. I mean, he can crush your spirit with the word. I mean, one verse can send you into, Lord, I need to repent. Oh, wow. And and, and I'm listening to a a message on Genesis 14, of all things, like eye-opening. And so, wow, it's like, what? And so we have not heard that. Can you imagine Amos? Moses talking with God on the mount, what that would have been like to, to talk with. Now, unbelievers, don't give a hoot. But you and I who know this God and how great he is, and I, he's so great, I'm so small, and he willing wants to talk. He doesn't want to talk with us, doesn't he? He does. He's waiting for us to pray to him. And Amos gets a... I don't want to say one-on-one necessarily, but he does. So this is all, question four is yes, all-consuming fire. Question five, what will be left of Israel? It looks like in verse five, nothing. Who sh- who, by whom shall Jacob arise if this fire happens? And question six, what did Amos ask God to do once again regarding judgment to repent, to relent? He interceded to cease, to stop, to halt, and God did. Next vision is seven. Thus he showed me and said, Behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? Is it, doesn't this have to almost be, does it, does it have to be audible or not? What do you think? Does, it have, does this have to be audible? I guess not. It doesn't have to be, but it could be. Uh, I think we just read these verses. Some, like Genesis 14, you read these verses. How does this tie with the rest of it? This guy I'm listening to says everything goes back to Genesis 3.15. And the sevens, how they all fit together. And where did that battle? What was the first, you know, the first war in Genesis chapter 14, the first war mentioned in the Bible? Where was that? Where's Sodom and Gomorrah today? Underneath the Dead Sea. And, and all these things. And where did they bury Goliath's head? Where did David bury Goliath? In Jerusalem? Mount Moriah, very likely, possibly. Where was Christ crucified? Mount Moriah. Where was Abel? Uh, where did Isaac offer Abraham offer Isaac? Mount Mar- Moriah. What's the city that everybody's always fighting over? Jerusalem. So in Genesis 14, you have Melchizedek, the king of Salem, Jerusalem, and the king of Sodom, who's already been killed earlier on in the chapter. So who is the king of? Sodom, who comes out. What is the battle over? Who is that that's there? And what is he offering? You should study up on that. It's an amazing, it's an amazing adventure. Just one chapter is, a, is an amazing adventure. Uh, the vision of the plumb line. So we find, what the, what does the plumb line do? We know what that does, right? You hang it up, on, and I guess the guy holds it one end, and has a heavy, is it like a little turn-up thing at the bottom, maybe? Like that. And then you can tell exactly... Exactly how it's out of line, right? So if I put a plumb line on whatever up here, and I can tell exactly how much it's off, right? Anything but a boat? Can't use it on a boat. Because it's designed to be off level? Oh, there you go. Yes. See how much I'm up on building. So, by the way, there's a beautiful house being built on my way out. Have you been out uh, Industrial Parkway late, that double wide, uh, that real nice, that they're building with the roof on right now? Plum, so, let me ask you. God's got his plumb line, and he's going to put it up beside me and you. And here is 
what he wants. How's your wall? And how do we know where how we know what our wall looks like? Compared to him. And where do we find out our wall's a little bit bowed? Right here. Right in there. And that was the whole purpose. He, he puts the plumb line on Israel, and they come up woefully, <laughs> woefully wrong. <laughs> yes, it was not a good thing for them, the plumb line. And would you notice with me, uh, as we close it up here, uh, and he, verse 8, and the Lord said unto Amos, unto me, Amos, what seest thou? You might call that Amos, maybe closer to the Hebrew pronunciation. And I said a plumb line. Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not pass by them anymore. Why? This, we put like a flaming arrow in America. This is what you should be. And I'm done with you. Turn, turn, or I am coming in judgment, or I'm going to continue the judgment. So I'm not, I'm, here's, you're going to see what you need to do. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. What is missing? At the end of the third vision, we had it in the first two visions, but not here. No, he does not intercede because he knows they are G-U-I-L-T-Y. He doesn't intercede. They, 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 they stand condemned. The plumb line says, you are really out of line, and this is, I'm not coming here anymore, and you need to repent, and you're going to be taken to captivity. America, we, 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 I know I say almost every, but we just so need to do similarly. Any thoughts or comments before I close? I think it so helps me to put in context of what they're doing. Because you read through these, sometimes you try to breeze through them. What does all that mean? You have to slow down sometimes, pretty much all the time. And in the Word of God so amazing? You can read it through and you can get excited. Wow. I'm going to learn more. And look, I missed that the first time, the hundredth time I missed that. And you, wow, does it really say, well, look what it says. And how does that fit together? I think we, give, we don't give God near enough credit for this marvelous book, how it has one thread that runs all the way through it. You look for Jesus on every page. This is the thread. And how does it all fit together? Why is the Jerusalem the one city in all the world that Satan wants? Why is that? Because it's God's table. Belongs to God. And you look back at how many things have happened in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, how many things, the battles. Where is the crucifixion? Just outside of Jerusalem. Where are they fighting? Where, 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 do they come, where does he come back at the end of the tribulation? Jerusalem. It comes back to Jerusalem. Where does he come back when, uh, when where does uh, Satan surround at the end of the millennium? Jerusalem. That's the battle royale because that's where, what's the biggest, most contested city in all the world today? Jerusalem, because the Arabs have the mouth, the mosque on the Temple Mount. But God will one day, won't He? He will one day rule, and we will serve Him and sing His praise and rejoice forevermore. That is what we're looking forward to, to see our Savior, isn't it? Let's pray. Mr. Lauderdale, would you close in prayer, brother?